Hey there and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host Jack. Let's get into it. Big Ten football. Uh, we're getting closer day by day. Uh, just over two weeks away now. Uh, not much to report on uh, for the Gophers um, other than um, rankings. So what was it? As of Sunday, October 4th or start of week six of the college football, the Minnesota Golden Gophers are now ranked number 25 in the college football rankings AP Top 25, despite not even playing a game yet, which is uh, it's, uh, it's pretty big. Um, other Big Ten teams in the Top 25 right now are Minnesota's number one opponent, the Michigan Wolverines, who are at number 20. The Wisconsin Badgers are are at number 16, and then the Penn State Nittany Lions are at 9, and then the Big Ten is rounded out by the Ohio State Buckeyes at number 6. So, pretty impressive uh, to have, uh, what's that, uh, 5, 6, uh, yeah, 5 teams uh, in the top uh, 25 that haven't even started playing yet, so pretty impressive. Um, honestly, I'm, uh, I'm probably like a lot of, uh, Minnesota fans, Wisconsin fans, Iowa fans, uh, getting a little antsy for Big Ten football, uh, last couple of weeks, um, with ACC and everybody else playing, uh, I've been kind of getting, trying to pull myself to watch some of these games and I'm watching a couple minutes here and there and college football is fun to watch, but it's, it's just not the same as uh, Big Ten football, so, uh, luckily, we only got two more Saturdays to go without Big Ten football. Excuse me, but um, yeah, we're uh, we'll get there. On to uh, MLB playoffs, kind of twin section. Uh, nothing twins wise, other than still a little bit sulking in the fact that they can't win a playoff series, much less a playoff game. Um, but that we also have to wait 170, sorry, 175 days. Yesterday it was 176 until we get to see them back in action, hitting bombs again and, uh, hoping, you know, they can, uh, end those postseason woes next year. Um, fingers crossed. But as far as playoffs are concerned, concerned, we are getting closer to the world series people. Um, the night um, after, or the same night I released the podcast last week, the in the American League, the Athletics held on to a 6-4 to four lead to advance to the ALDS, beating the White Sox two games to one. So with that win, it set up both uh, series, uh, ALDS series in California, the first one being in... Uh, San Diego, the Tampa Bay Rays are taking on the New York Yankees in a best of five. Uh, Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, uh, the Oakland Athletics are now taking on the Houston Astros. Sorry, cheaters. I know you guys are getting used to that. Uh, In their best of five series. Um, Both of those started on Monday. Um, Both the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays hold two games, 2-1 leads um, over their opponents headed into their game fours, which are actually uh, today. Um, so both of them hoping to uh, get that third win uh, today to advance to the ALCS. Uh, as for the National League, um, all of the NLDS's series 
will have already been started as well. The only difference, uh, the National League series will be taking place in Texas. So the Marlins held on uh, to beat the Cubs in two games to nothing in the NL wild card, setting up a meeting with the Atlanta Braves in Houston that started on Tuesday. While the Padres eked past the Cardinals two games to one, getting to play the L.A. Dodgers in Arlington, and that uh, series started on Tuesday as well. Um, breaking, uh, it looks like the game just finished up right before I got on the horn here. The Braves brought a 2-0 to series lead into their Game 3 today against the Marlins. The Braves completed the sweep. They beat the Marlins 7-0 to today to advance to the NLCS to play on to take on the winner of the Dodgers and the Padres. Um, Dodgers are actually coming into their eight o'clock or eight o eight game tonight with a two nothing lead on the Padres and hope to do the same thing the Braves did earlier. So uh, getting getting closer to the final four teams um, and uh, still some uh, some good baseball to. Uh, to be played, so yeah. Um, for the Wild and the NHL, so if the craziness that the NHL draft isn't enough, the Minnesota Wild general manager Bill Guerin has been busy lately. I don't know if you guys have been seeing this, making deals, trying not to, not only to get the Wild team back into the playoffs, but to make sure they're making some deep, and I mean deep playoff runs in that so back on Monday the Wild announced uh, two re-signings and they actually made two trades ahead of, ahead of the 2020 NF or sorry NHL draft sorry for the misspeak uh, on Monday the Wild re-signed a uh, 25 year old uh, forward Nico Strum for uh, to a two-year 145 million dollar contract I believe the contract was two-way. Uh, Strom or Sturm uh, played most of last season with the Iowa Wild. Played really well. Um, called him up, and he actually got his first goal, first NHL goal in his NHL playoff debut uh, back in the qualifying rounds on August 6th against the Vancouver Canucks. So exciting to see him come back. I thought he played pretty well, and being younger, uh, he was pretty quick. So... They also signed on Monday 26-year-old defenseman Carson Soucy. I thought he played pretty well for us this, uh, this last year. Um, they re-signed him to a three-year um, $8.25 million contract. Uh, just this last year, Soucy appeared in 55 games for the Wild, uh, registering seven goals and seven assists for a total of 14 points, uh, but also had a plus-minus of plus 16 and only registered 18 penalty minutes, so good to have uh, those good fellas back, uh, Nico and Carson. Um, however, later on that day, on Monday, it was announced uh, that not only did we make one trade, a trade, but two trades with the San Jose Sharks. The first one, uh, we saw 24-year-old Ryan Donato uh, get shipped to the San Jose Sharks for a 2021 third-round pick. This last year, Donato played in 62 games for us, tallied 14 goals, 9 assists for a total of 23 points. Um, I have to say I really, really liked him on the team. I thought he was very quick. He was very crafty. Uh, so it's hard 
for me to see him go, but um, you know it was nice to have him for the season and a half that we did. Uh, I'd really love to see the Wild get a little younger. Um, I think uh, you know the quickness. I mean, you know the younger generations that come in, they're just they're so fast and they're so quick. Not to say that these older guys aren't quick, but you know you got to keep up with them and uh, stay conditioned. So um, I'd like to see the Wild get a little younger, but. You know, you also want that veteran presence as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Ryan Donato, for the last year and a half. Uh, like I said, hard for me to see him go. But, uh, hey, um, got to move on. Uh, however, what really surprised me was later in this day. So something even crazier happened. Um, later in the day, the Wild received a two, uh, 2022 fifth-round pick in exchange for sending a 2022 seventh-round pick and goalie Devin Dubnik to the San Jose Sharks. Um, Surprised, but not really surprised. Um, Dubnik this last year kind of struggled, especially in the playoffs. I don't even think he played in any of those games for us. I thought it was all Stalak. Um, and then I know he was kind of here and there last year. But once again, it will be tough to see him go, considering he's been our guy between the pipes for the last, what was it, six or five and a half years. Um, and especially since he's done so much uh, for the Wild since he came here. Um, he's won 30 or more games for us in five of his six or five and a half seasons with us. And he leaves us as he's number two in the wild for goalie or games played as a goalie with 328 games played. He's second with uh, in wins for a goalie with 177. He's second in save percentage at 918. He's second in goals against average at 2.28, and shutouts with 2023. Um, the only goalie ahead of him in all of those categories were old, uh, old-time old goalie Dwayne Rollison. So needless to say, uh, thank you, Devin Dubnik, for your five and a half years with us. And Ryan Donato, uh, again, was only here for about a year and a half. A big thank you to both those guys. Um, excuse me. Um for all their hard work and, you know, wish you both nothing but the best. Um, on to the draft. Uh, it was a good draft. It was a little different this year. I, I know I remember seeing that um, they were going to say some of it was going to be virtual, but it sounds like the entire thing was. So for the uh, 2020 draft, the like we said last week, the New York Rangers had the number one overall pick, and they took number one overall Alex... Alexis Lafreniere, I believe. Um, he is, uh, Alexis is from the Ramuski Oceanic in the QMJHL. So uh, congratulations to him. Um, I remember hearing this year um, that there wasn't really a consensus number one overall pick like there have been in years past. Um, but it seems like he did did a great job, tore it up in the QMJHL. Um, I was looking him up earlier, and it says he's the first. uh, He was um, 
in his rookie season in the QMJHL, he scored 42 goals, and that was the most goals scored by a rookie since Sidney Crosby in 04. So um, whenever you're mentioned uh, in the hockey world in the same sentences with guys like Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovenchkin, uh you're doing something well. So congrats to him. But uh, like we talked about last week, the Wild held on to that number nine overall pick. And they picked centerman Marco Rossi. Uh, Rossi is from the Ottawa 67s in the OHL or the Ontario Hockey League. Last season, Rossi led the Ontario Hockey League and all players in the CHL, for that matter, with 81 assists and 120 points. Um, Also had 39 goals with that. But if that's not impressive enough, he was also named the OHL's most outstanding player back in the 2019-2020 season. So it'll be very exciting to see him in action and hopefully propel us uh, into the future here in Minnesota. So welcome, um, Marco. Um, Even some more craziness happening on uh, the day of the draft. Um, So day two of the draft was still business as usual, but Garen sent another one of my um another one of my favorite young stars Luke Cunnan and the 101st pick in the draft for, to Nashville again um for veteran forward Nick Benino and a pair of draft picks um I have to say I'm not opposed to Nick Benino I I wouldn't really say he's an older player he's a little bit of a veteran um I want to say he's probably around my age probably 20 29 30 maybe 31 i don't think he's super old he's got um stanley cup experience he won the cup back a couple years ago with the pittsburgh penguins so it's nice to see garen um getting that um veteran presence especially with the departure of uh miko koivu and a pair of draft picks so other than um excuse me other than our first overall uh pick in the draft the the um wild also held five with uh trades and everything like that the wild also ho- held uh five other picks in the draft uh the next one was in round 2 uh with a 37th pick the wild took centerman merit kunitskivav from russia um can't even pronounce the team. <laughs> the team he um, uh, he came from. He's from Saint Petersburg, Russia. So, welcome to him. Um, and then just a couple picks later, we had uh, the 39th pick overall, and we took Ryan O'Rourke uh, from Canada. Um, so another uh, another D man with that selection, and then. He's from the OHL, similar to Marco, which is uh, kind of nice. And then the next, our next pick after that was actually in round three. We had the 65, 65th overall pick. We took uh, Damon Hunt um, from the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL of the CHL. Um, and then after that, we had one more pick, I believe, right uh, in round five, they had the 146th overall pick, and they took right winger Pavel Novak. Uh, Novak comes from the WHL of the CHL, the Kelowna Rockets. 
Um, and with that, those were our five draft picks. So welcome to all of those guys. Can't wait to see them in action. Obviously, like we keep talking about, you know, the future coming in. So hopefully they can propel us to a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years. That'd be pretty, um, pretty sweet to... Pretty sweet to see that happen and get that going. So, yeah, um, on to um, basketball with the Timberwolves. Um, not much to report on on the Timberwolves. Uh, it does sound like um, our guard, Malik Beasley, got into a little trouble this last uh, Saturday. Um, the reason it kind of caught my eyes, other than the fact that it says he's facing felony weapon and drug charges, uh, was I was, um, I was, uh, interested to hear the Timberwolves haven't made any decision if they're going to cut him, um, if they're, they haven't said they're going to cut him, they haven't said they're going to hold on to him, so they're still, um, they're still gathering information, um, sucks, sucks to see something like that happen, um, but once again, life goes on. Um, only other thing, um, basketball, basketball-wise, to report on before we get into the um, NBA Finals. Once again, um, is on Thursday, August, October first, right after the last podcast. Again, Doc Rivers, it was announced, was hired as the 76ers coach. Uh, jumped out to me, um, not only because did he sign a five-year deal, um, but it just amazed me. Um, I had to look into it more because I remember seeing that, and I'm like, this has to be the quickest fire to hire that I've ever seen um, because not much sooner before this happened, everybody knew he, or most people knew he coached for the Clippers, and I was right, he was let go from the Clippers on September 28th, and he was hired officially by the 76ers on the 5th, or sorry, on October 1st. So um, easily the quickest fire-to-hire coach I think I've ever seen. Um, Not trying to say he doesn't deserve it. I think Doc is a good head coach. Um, But my, my main question has been like, because before that, he was with you know James Harden. So it's like, if in my mind, it's like if he can't win with James Harden and company, because James Harden's very good, but if he can't win with Harden and company, or if he can't win with Kawhi and Paul George for a year or two, and especially with those teams that he had before Kawhi and Paul George, why why does why why do the seventy sixes why are they convinced that he can lead Simmons and beat to that? So. I don't know. Clear, clearly, there's something going on there that they know that I don't. This is also why I am not a GM in the NBA. But um, that um, that is all for news. So last time we were on the air here, um, the Los Angeles Lakers had just won Game One of the excuse me Game One of the NBA Finals over the Miami Heat. Now, they currently have a decisive 3-1 to lead over the Heat in the NBA Finals. Game 2 was this last Friday, and both Miami stars Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic were both ruled out for this contest, still with their injuries from Game 1. 
and the Lakers cruised to a 124-114 to victory, showing a lot of people that the series might end in a sweep. Uh, the Lakers led by as many as 18 in that game, and the Heat's largest lead, uh, I didn't realize until I was reading up on my notes today, was only two in that game. Um, so I think after those two games, those first two games, a lot of people were kind of looking away like, okay, this might um, this might be over before we know it. Um, in that game, L.A. did get 16 offensive rebounds to the Heat 6. A.D. actually finished the game with more offensive boards than defensive boards. So his second chance points, needless to say, were a big part of his 32 point outing the only person on the floor um with more points was LeBron James he had 33 that game Jimmy Butler led the heat in that game too with 25 points and truthfully it it wasn't a bad game for the heat um uh, again looking over my notes the they they were matching the Lakers pretty shot for shot with regards to field goal percentages and things like that. Um, the Lakers were just flat out a better team. Uh, with Goron and Bam out, they both they did get double-digit points from Hero. He had 17. Crowder had 12. And they also had Kelly Olynyk come off the bench with 24. And they had this Kendrick Nunn come off the bench with 13. Um, so, held tried to, uh, you know, hold their own, but still came out uh, with a loss. However, Miami Heat fans, two days later, Jimmy Buckets went off. Um, It seemed like before this game three, Jimmy knew if they were going to lose that game, it was going to be over, and he was not ready to go home. He had his first ever NBA Finals triple-double, and only the fourth ever 40-point triple-double in Finals history to lead the Heat to a decisive Game 3 victory, 115-104. to Butler ended up with 40 points, 13 assists, and 11 rebounds. Um, so despite Adebayo and Drogic both being out for the second game in a row, behind Jimmy Butler, the Heat were able to claim uh, back the lead after letting it slip away in uh, the early bit of the fourth quarter in that game three and cut the Lakers' lead two games uh, to one. Um, Anthony Davis, I remember watching that game, didn't have the best game. He only took nine shots, only making six of them. Um, Part of that in part, I didn't realize this until I... um, Read the box for a little bit after the game, but he was a little bit of he was a little bit in foul trouble. He had four fouls to finish the game, and I want to say he got his third or fourth kind of in the third or fourth quarter. Um, can't really remember if how much he was on the floor for the second half, but um, yeah, it was it was it was tough. He only finished with fifteen points, five rebounds, and three assists. Um, so really, really quiet night for him. Um, however, LeBron's triple double, uh, it just it wasn't enough for the Lakers to be able to go up three zero on Sunday night. Um, James finished with twenty five points, ten rebounds, and eight assists. Uh, and just two nights ago, despite the Heat getting Big Man Bam Adebayo back in the lineup, 
in the second half of the game, the Lakers might have actually figured out how to beat the Heat and end the series tomorrow night. So on Tuesday, the Lakers got a 100-2-96. I don't know why I can't talk right now. 96 victory over the Heat to go up three games to one. Um, it was it was a good first quarter. Um, Jimmy Butler started off the game hitting um, his first five shots. He was five for five. Um, I what I alluded to, the Lakers might have figured out how to beat the Heat not only in this game but in the series. In the second half, Anthony Davis had the assignment of taking on and guarding Jimmy Butler. Like I said, Ant- Jimmy Butler started the game five. For five, he ended the game three for 12, and he was one for four in the fourth quarter when Anthony Davis was guarding him. Anthony Davis finished the game with, <clears throat> excuse me, four blocks, which was huge for this, um, for this Lakers team, as those were the only four blocks that were registered that game. Um, but not only did he come up big, um, LeBron almost had another triple-double double that helped them out. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Um, but it was it was just a, a tougher game from the get-go. So Spolstra wasn't able to use much of his bench. He only had three guys coming off the bench. Uh, Kelly Olynyk came back in, only got four points. Kendrick Nunn came in, only got six points, and Iguodala only played twenty minutes and was only able to come up with three points. So, very impressive that the Lakers were able to hold the Miami Heat to under a hundred points. And um, if I'm being completely honest, if Anthony Davis is asked to guard and contain Jimmy Butler again in Game uh, Five. I I think it's done. Um, Jimmy has, because if that's the case, I think Jimmy's got to turn more into a facilitator. Um, And I think Jimmy's found out, hey, for us to win like they did in game three and even stay competitive in this game four, he needed to... He needed to go off. He needed to take a lot more of the shots, and not that he can't do that, but when he's being guarded by a guy that has a 7-foot-11 wingspan, uh, it's going to be tougher just because it's going to be easier for AD to get the blocks on him um, and play good tight defense. Um, So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we got for the NBA Finals. So, Game 5, like I mentioned, um, they're giving them an extra day off between Games 4 and 5, so they actually won't be playing tonight. Game 5 is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, um, and it'll, I'm sure it'll be a good one. Um, you know, One thing I did notice as I was looking through these... Um, you know they've been they've been good games. It's I you know the Miami Heat aren't a team that's just gonna call it a game. Like until the final buzzer goes off and and the Lakers or the Heat's fourth win, they're not just gonna fold up and go home. So it'll be a good one. Um, last thing uh, I want to go back to hockey really quick. I kind of forgot about this. Um, 
there were, we talked about this kind of last weekend, uh, and I just thought I'd take a couple minutes to address this, but looking at, like I mentioned last week, I was liking to see um, Minnesotans that get taken in the draft, in the NHL draft. There were actually eight Minnesotans taken in the 2020 NHL draft. Um, there were no other states that had more guys taken from them. Massachusetts had eight as well. Um, but it's always cool to see these guys. Uh, Brock Faber um, was the first Minnesotan taken in the draft in the second round, 45th pick overall. He's a defenseman from Maple Grove. The LA Kings drafted him. The next pick was Jake Boltman, and I I know that name. Uh, I went to Hill Murray for high school, and he played and was from Edina, so he gave us some tough games. Um, he was taken in the third round, 79th overall, and then right after him, another Minnesotan was taken in the third round, 80th overall, Wyatt K- Kaiser. Kaiser, uh, a defenseman uh, from Andover, was taken by the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and then there was one other Minnesotan taken in the third round with a 91st pick. Jackson Hallam was taken by the Vegas Golden Knights. He is from Egan, Minnesota, and he played at St. Thomas Academy. In the fourth round, there were two Minnesotans taken uh, with the 102nd overall pick. Jack Smith, a right winger f- um, from St. Cloud, played at St. Cloud Cathedral, was taken by the Montreal Canadiens. And seven picks later with the 109th pick, uh, the Montreal Canadiens took another Minnesota boy, Blake Biondi, from Hermantown, Minnesota. And then there was one pick, There was one Minnesotan taken in the fifth round with the 151st pick overall, Mason Langenbrunner, uh, from Moose Lake, Minnesota. It looked like he played at Eden Prairie for high school, though, so he's, he was a defenseman taken by the Bruins. And then the last Minnesotan taken in the draft was in the sixth round. He was the 180th pick overall. His name is Mr. Joe Miller. Uh, He's a centerman from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He played at Blake. Uh, I remember actually watching him play for, um, excuse me, for the class uh, single-A state tournament this last year. He was taken by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So huge congratulations to these eight guys. Um, always nice to see uh, Minnesota being repped in the NHL. We have some other players uh, I know currently in the NHL from that. So once again, huge congratulations and hu- huge good luck to all of those guys taken. Um, like I said, it's always fun to see a fellow Minnesotans getting drafted. So um, yeah, on to the next thing, the Vikings. Um, little chipper about the Vikings this week, guys. We finally got... A win. Um, before we get too much into everything, um, I wanted to take a minute. We're about, as weird as it sounds, we're already a quarter of the way through the season. So I just thought we'd take a minute and kind of give quarter of the season um, stats updates um, for mainly passing, rushing, and receiving. So Kirk Cousins right now, he had a good game this last game. Other than that, statistically, he had good games the first three. He had okay games. Um, but right now through the first quarter of the season, Kirk is 23rd in the league with passing yards eight, with 883. In his defense, there's about three or four guys that are already 
putting up video game numbers with over a thousand yards. Um, he is 28th in the league in completion percentage with only 62% uh, completion, which surprised me because he's been very notorious for being an accurate passer. So, again, you've talked about this in the past, not sure if that's coming from drops or incompletions. He's tied for 16th in TDs. He's only got six through the first four games. Um, and he's tied for second in the NFL. Or he is second in the NFL with interceptions with six. Um, but he is tied for sixth. I was surprised um, for 20-plus yard throws through the first four games with 16. So um, not not a great start, but... We're we're finally in the win column, so that's good. Um, on to the running game. That has been our staple through the first quarter of the season. So Delvin is currently first in the league right now with rushing yards. He has 424, despite being only fourth in rushing attempts. He only has 75 rushing attempts um, through the first four games, which is pretty impressive to not be having that many attempts but still leading in rushing. He's also leading in TDs. He's got six. Uh, for receiving, we got two good guys so far. Nobody's really jumping out. But both Justin Jefferson and Thielen are in the top 25 for receiving yards. Through the first four games, Justin Jefferson is actually leading the Vikings in receiving yards with 348. That's good enough for eighth. Um, that's the eighth, eighth most receiving yards, and he's a rookie. And then Thielen uh, is a little bit behind him. He's only got 284 yards through the first four games, and that's good enough for 20th. And then between the two of them, they only ha uh, they have a total of five touchdowns already. So good things to come, hopefully, there. Um, I guess after that, uh, looking at how we did last year for, excuse me, um, predictions. So what I thought and what I wanted last year was exactly what happened. I thought we were going to lose, but I was hoping and praying we were going to win. And we did. Um, so didn't get my prediction right of us losing, but I can live with that. Um, week four predictions. I predicted that Hunter and Yannick were going to combine for three and a half sacks. Didn't happen. Partially because Hunter didn't come back, and right now I'm hearing he's not coming back. Um, I haven't heard it's official if he's going to sit out the entirety of the season, but I'm hearing it's a possibility, so 30 sacks between the two of them is turning into 30 sacks for Yannick now, but Yannick had a big, big, um, he had a big uh, game last year. He had two sacks. I want to say, um, yeah, we had three. We sacked uh, Deshaun Watson three times last week. Yannick had two of them. Very impressive. He's 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 doing good right now. Um, and then the my other prediction. I remember I thought Justin Jefferson was going to have another big game and have his second consecutive one hundred plus receiving yard game. He in fact did. He caught four balls for one hundred and three yards. So finally got one right. Um, with that, looking at um, what we thought for the season, so we thought, I should say I thought, Justin Jefferson was going to beat Randy Moss's uh, rookie record for receptions um, through the first four weeks. 
And Justin Jefferson now has 16 catches. He's got 54 to go, and he's still he's on pace. Uh, like uh, we've said from the get-go, he's got to average about four and a half um, catches each week for that to happen, and he's still on pace. So good to go for there. Um, Yannick and Hunter combining for 30 sacks isn't looking likely considering if Hunter comes back, it's not going to be for much. And... Um, yeah, but needless to say, Yannick has four total sacks through the first four weeks, so that's big. I mean, if we can get 15, 60, he's, he's currently on pace for 16 sacks. So if you can get 60, 15, 16 sacks from a guy in a year, that's good. Uh, third one, Dalvin was going to play all 16 games for us. He's one step closer to that. He's played four out of four for us, so... Yeah, now why don't we dive a little bit into that Houston game. Um, first of all, like I said, very happy we got the win. Um, but first things first, we're getting better. One of the first things, once again, we talked about week one, week two, week three. Week four, time of possession. And, man, we are getting a lot better at that. We had the ball for 36 and a half minutes. Houston had it for 23 and a half minutes. I mean... I don't think I don't think recipe for success there's any um mystery in the NFL like you need to have the ball unless you have a stellar defense and you can't expect your defense to put up points because it's just it's harder for them to do but if you have if you dominate the ball if you have the ball for most of the game statistically speaking 9 times out of 10 9 and a half times out of 10 you are going to you are going to win the game so huge for that. Um, one by six. What was that? Eight, eight points. Um, and it came down another close game, but I think we're getting on that right track of getting back to what we need to be doing. It did come back to uh, you know a last play, but defense stepped up, got a big stop, and we came away with the uh, we came away with the victory again. You know, being a Minnesota fan, you don't want. You know, you don't want to have to, you know, be on the edge of your seat until the end of the game. So hopefully there, we will have some games where we win this year that we're not going to have to be, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, and wait for, you know, three zeros. Um, but, hey, we got the win nonetheless. Um, we we had a really balanced attack. We had a total of 410 yards total. 248 of that was passing from Kirk, so hats off to him. Didn't throw in any interceptions, I don't believe. Let me just double-check. No interceptions, so that's a plus. Um, even though through three weeks, he's second in the league with six. So that's, again, moving in good directions. Um, and Delvin went off again and had two TDs on 130 yards of um, rushing, but... Once again, I think for the Vikings, it's important to get off to a good start because in this game, we we let up more points in the second half, which is what you expect from a young secondary that's still kind of getting their, um, uh, their grips and everything like that. But um, we, we, we jumped out to a quick 10 to nothing lead. We are our biggest lead was um what was that 14 I believe uh, in the first half we were up at 1.17 to 3 
Um, we went into halftime winning 17-6. to The nice thing is we actually put up some points in the second half. We, um, we technically got outscored in the second half. What was that? You know, 17-14. to 14. But again, we got off to a hot start, and we didn't put Kirk in a position where he's got to make, make plays happen. He's Because he's not that kind of a quarterback. He's the kind of quarterback that makes the play that is asked of him or makes a play. But when we're asking him, hey, we need you to make plays. We need you to get us back in this game. That's not where he thrives. And when we're playing from behind, especially in the second half, it doesn't look good on us because that's where we, I think, or so far we have shot ourselves in the foot. So good game. Um, good game for last week. Um, you know, a lot of good things to work off of. Um, but this next game we have coming up, Man, I, again, just like this last week, I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, Russell Wilson is arguably playing his best football he's ever played. Um, he is one of the, what, um, two or three or four MVP candidates that they're already talking about a quarter of the way through the season. So, um, kind of worried a little bit for, for our defense, but... A little happy and looking forward to the game. <coughs> Excuse me, because it sounds like um, it sounds like they're depleted in the secondary. It sounds like Jamal Adams is out, so I could very well seeing this be uh, being a slugfest, um, and it could be a very offensive. Um, I could see both of us getting uh, high thirty, low forty points. In this game, but um, needless to say, I think it'll be a it'll be a good one. Um, so looking into that, uh, another thing to note too: this is uh, the first of two primetime games the Vikings are playing in. So for the first time this season, we have to wait till night to watch the Vikings game. Um, it is going to be an away game, um, but I'm. I have comfort in knowing that they're not going to have fans there because I feel like when we go there, this is the third time, third consecutive season we've gone there. I'm feeling good that they don't have their 12th man trying to intimidate us. And they've already beaten us twice there. So I think at some point something's got to give. Uh, so I, I, I think there's hope and I think they have the potential to win. <clears throat> Again, it just... It depends on what team shows up. If if the team if the team that just beat Houston last week shows up, it it could be a good game. I think it's going to be a good game regardless. But if the team shows up that won last week, we could win the game. If the team that played against, um, I mean the Colts or um, the Titans, I. It'll be tough to watch. Um, I know at the beginning of the season I had this one up as a loss. Once again, like I said last week, I'm going to stick to that. Um, but I am going to say I, I do think it's going to be a, a slugfest. I think the final is going to be, I'll say, 41-38 uh, Seahawks will win. But again, just like last week, that's I think we're going to lose this game. I hope I'm wrong. And I would love to see the Minnesota Vikings win this game. Um, we got two predictions for this upcoming week. I think our defense, um, I hope, 
Um, Mike Zimmer is going to bring the heat on Russell Wilson. I know he can do very well. He's like an Aaron Rodgers. He can do well when he's outside of the pocket. Uh, but I hope he brings pr- uh, pressure to kind of take the um, pressure off our young cornerbacks. So I think with that pressure, I think we're going to sack Russell Wilson four times. Uh, it's a bold, bold prediction. Um, even bolder than I thought it was after I found out through the first four s- weeks. Um, he's only been sacked, I think it was two or three times. So I still think it's going to happen. And then offense, um, I don't know who it's going to be, but um, I I think our um, I think our tight ends are going to have a good game between Conklin, Rudolph, and Irv Smith. I think they're going to combine for two TDs. Um, I don't know if Conklin's caught much. Um, I know we've mainly been using him for uh, as a blocking tight end, but between Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. They're good guys. They're, they're guys that we don't get, uh, we don't throw to them a ton, but they're guys that are big and that can make a reliable catch. So I think, I don't know why. I think they're gonna. I think they haven't been focused on a lot, and I think both Thielen and Jefferson are going to garner a lot of attention. I think they can handle it, but I, yeah, that's what I got. So defense is gonna come up big at four sacks. Offense, our tight ends are gonna combine for two TDs between those three guys on our roster. And, um, yeah, that's what I got last but not least. Um, upset and sure thing I got for the upset, the Titans over Dallas. Um, I don't I don't like this Dallas team. I think Zeke is great, but I think they're a little ho- overhyped. And especially from the Titans team that we got, I think the Titans are going to give Dallas everything they got. Sure thing, um, the team that I haven't gone with, two Rams are going to beat Washington. And then, like I said, I think we're going to lose... Uh, 41 to 38. So, um, but once again, hope, hope, um, hope I'm wrong. Uh, remember this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Twitter or by emailing us. Twitter handle is at mini weekend and email is mini weekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. Same spelling for Twitter, and feel free to give us a follow on Twitter as well. Until next week, Minnie.